Hi, I'm Sonia Jean Killebrew, and this is Black America and COVID, an oral history project. I started this project during Black History Month of 2022 because I wanted to provide a platform for Black Americans to share their stories about living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic. I also wanted to provide a space for people to memorialize someone who is a Black American who sadly lost their life during the COVID-19 pandemic. I was inspired by the work of Zora Neale Hurston, author and anthropologist, to record the experiences of Black Americans in their own voices. My goal is to get my recordings into museums, such as the Smithsonian Museum of African American History and Culture, or the Schomburg, or the Library of Congress's Folklife Museum. I'll share a little bit about me and my family history, and then I'll speak to my guests. I'm a Black American. My dad was African American and Indigenous American. His ancestors were enslaved in Georgia. In fact, we still have our family's slave name, which is Killebrew. My dad, Dr. Terrence Killebrew, met my mom in graduate school at the New School in New York when they were both earning their master's degrees in psychology. And I'm a fourth generation teacher. So my mother is a retired New York City teacher. My grandmother was a teacher on the island of Jamaica for 20 years and then in New York for 20 years. My great-grandmother was a teacher in Jamaica up until she got married. She was the daughter of an Irish woman and a black man. She stopped working after she got married because it wasn't considered respectable for a married woman to continue working in the late 1800s. And ironically, my mother began teaching long after she got married in the late 1900s. So without further ado, I'm excited to speak with my guest today. My name is Dr. Daryl McCartney. I am a family physician in uh, Statesboro, Georgia. Thank you. And do you identify as Black or African-American or how do you identify? I identify as Black. And what would you like to share about your ancestry? Well, I'm from Jamaica. Uh, my ancestry, as in most Jamaicans, uh, is a compound of uh, several different backgrounds. Uh, people coming from, from slavery, uh, people from European ancestry, all, uh, all combined together to bring uh, me. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, and I like to say how I know the people I'm interviewing and um, our moms are sisters and we're cousins. Yes. So thank you for your time. And I'd love to hear you share about what life is like for you during 2020, if you want to start in 2020 and then go into 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. All right. Uh, 2020, so in early 2020, uh, when the, we heard of this virus in uh, China, uh, it seemed like something that was far away and not something that we had to be concerned about. Uh, we, for the first month or two, really didn't pay much attention to it other than, 
it was starting to generate more and more news, uh, even though it was far away. Then in late February, when it, the virus had reached uh, Washington State and California, uh, we, it's when we in the medical, uh, medical industry started to pay, in this area, started to pay more attention to it and say, okay, what is going on? And by the time end of February, uh, when, it had, when it, was, it was starting to become a big problem in New York City, in Georgia, we were making meetings as to, okay, planning what exactly, how we were going to handle if a case came to Georgia. Uh, at the time, I was a chief medical officer of a health center in uh, southern Georgia, and we had several meetings with the regional as well as uh, internally for the health, at the health center, uh, trying to brainstorm what exactly we knew of the, of the virus at the time, what to expect when it came, and how we would tackle that situation. Uh, and, and when it became noticeable that this uh, virus was really becoming a, 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 a crisis, um, things got, meetings became more frequent and, uh, and our plan became more, uh, more, 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 more serious. Uh, I was also working as a hospitalist uh, on weekends at, at the uh, community hospital. So I had meetings at the health center as well as meetings at the hospital uh, where we all were discussing, brainstorming what was going on. But in, in reality, we didn't know what was going on. At that time, our thought was, okay, the main issue is that when it came to the hospital was that uh, we needed... Uh, ventilators. Uh, now this was a small uh, uh, 70 uh, bed uh, hospital which practically had I think when we tallied it up we had six ventilators in total that included the ones in the operating room. So first thing we realized okay we needed a lot more than that. Uh, then our plan when we planned okay what would happen if we if the hospital got full which what 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 would we put people in the wards and stuff and we kind of bring we came with a worst case scenario as to okay with um how much would we need to um how, how, what we, what we would need to do for different wards uh, what 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 space we'd need to use if at the last ditch effort to, to house people uh, a lot of this came from what we saw was going on in New York by that time, where we saw that people were making um, tent um, wards and all that, and, people, and they were, were um, shipping in, uh, having a ship come in to, 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 to make for extra beds for, for patients. Interesting thing we had here in Georgia, though, is that for the, we, when the, uh, the lockdown uh, was implemented, uh, it was thought that, okay, the lockdown will be for two weeks, maybe maximum three, four weeks, and everything will be, and, and, and will be good. And that uh, when we went, went into lockdown, nothing happened in this area. Here we are in South Georgia. Uh, we were seeing on TV all that was happening in New York. But here... We weren't seeing anything. Nothing. We we didn't have any tests. Anything going on, and uh, that again in itself made us a little more. Um, it was a little little bit anxious. A little more anxious in that. Okay, um, nothing's happening. 
but also a little bit uh, more more uh, relaxed in feeling that that okay, I guess it's not going to happen here because the dynamics here in South Georgia is we are generally farm uh, rural rural area places are uh, far apart. While somewhere like New York, uh, you have high rise buildings, everybody's um, cooped up in in areas. So you figured okay, maybe it won't be a problem here. We were wrong. Uh, by week, by the end of March, beginning of June, beginning of May, uh, that's when the first cases hit, uh, hit, hit this region. And uh, we're like, okay, all right, it's here. Now we can do it. Uh, for the health center, our plan was testing. Uh, initially, uh, what happened it was, was that what was very um, disturbing was the government didn't know exactly how to um, implement testing. So they would tell, tell people, tell the public, oh, uh, go to your, 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 your physician, your healthcare center to get tested and, and, and make sure you're okay. Problem is nobody told us that. We didn't know how to, uh, what, what tests do for COVID. Uh, we were, so we would have people coming into the health center to get tested but we didn't even know what test to, to run. We didn't know um, what the test looked like. We didn't know um, how, how, how to implement it. Uh, and so that was very frustrating. Uh, but then, because the meetings that we had were more along the lines of how to handle the situation, how to prepare for the situation, but no, nowhere came up like what was actual test. Uh, the other thing was that it was okay, well, the tests are coming, and uh, we, we were learned on them, but then it, the test, the number of the tests that came was not um, enough to make up for the number of people coming in for testing. Uh, it was a slow trickle coming in, coming down. And then when we, that finally started and we got the testing in, uh, we started doing mass testing everywhere. That generally we folk, we kind of shut down the actual day-to-day -day primary care management of patients and focus a lot more on testing patients. So we had drive-through testing and all the sort. We even went to uh, having, where we went to the farms and did testing on farm workers there. Uh, and that was a lot what we were doing in the first few weeks, just, just testing. Uh, another thing that, 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 that was surprising to us is that uh, as with many health facilities, uh, we thought that a strategic uh, medical reserve could 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 uh, give us um, all the uh, PPEs, the personal protective equipment that we needed, uh, and that uh, all we needed was put in an order and get it. We were wrong about that as well. Uh, what we did not understand was that the uh, reserve was more designed for short term. Uh, crisis in maybe one or two states at a time, not all 50 states at the same time. There was never enough plan to have for everybody at the same time. Uh, so when we put in our orders for uh, personal protective equipment, at first we weren't getting anything. And so we found that, okay, we needed to scramble now and figure out how are we going to get personal protective equipment for all our staff. Uh, so we, we found ourselves going to all different areas, even going to uh, form a garbage bag um, 
facility, uh, that manufacturer facility, and having them retrofit uh, garbage bags to make gowns, plastic gowns for us, which was helpful in that we have to protect us, but then they weren't designed to uh, for, 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 us, for people to actually be wearing them. Right, especially for any long period of time that we had when we were doing these testing. So one is to, and that plus wearing uh, the mask, N95 mask and goggles and everything, played a part where we were doing testing in the hot sun because someone was coming up in with all this stuff, not being able to um, to, 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 to uh, breathe well, where a lot of our members, uh, staff members ended up, we got, got, Sick, got 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 dehydrated, and, and so we had to take learn to take shifts and so forth, so we don't have to be wearing that equipment all the time. Uh, that was another issue that we found that we haven't going through. Uh, throughout this time, it was a very steep learning curve. Uh, the we would have meetings in the morning to prepare to go over what was released by the CDC and the government as to what as to what our plan is, how we're going to manage it, what we're going to test and what, what to do, what 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 criteria to look at. But then by midday, when we got an update from the government as to what happened, it was like, okay, that plan, scrap that, here's a new plan, go with it. And so we were having meetings twice a day in the beginning. Uh, where it was like, okay, we got a whole new plan. We got to work on that. And then by the next morning, it was like, okay, what you had planned yesterday, what we went through yesterday, uh, things have changed, throw that out, here comes another plan. So it was a, it was, it was, it was a vicious cycle of, of, of learning everything new. And again, we were going from not knowing, from hearing about this virus that was in this faraway country to all of a sudden having to deal with it, deal with it hands on and, trying and, and, and learning that, okay, something that, 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 that um, we tried in the morning, we, uh, all of a sudden by evening, it was no longer the protocol. Uh, and then uh, with all that, you still had to live. You still had to be able to manage everything at home, come home and prepare and, 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 and make sure protect your family and, uh, and, and make sure all that, that you had enough uh, resources at home uh, especially the um, toiletries, which were of short supply uh, during that time. Uh, so it was quite uh, a headache. Um, and then with, with all that, there were, it, it was interesting. Uh, you'd wake up with a headache and you'd be thinking, oh my gosh, um, do, I, do, I, do I have COVID? I mean, I've been testing patients when, uh, with COVID and, and is, this, um, is this that I have caught it or so? And you, but you, then you go, by the time you get to work, you find, oh no, you got several other coworkers who have the same, same issue. And, um, but then uh, by the time you get into the thick of things at work, the headache is gone. You feel a lot better. You're like, okay, no, that was just stress or, or worry that that was the case. Uh, and um, you find many people in, 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 in medicine, day to day, that was, one of our biggest things that okay is this the day I'm going to, I'm going to have COVID. Uh, just about every symptom, anything that they, that you had, you thought okay is this it? Is that, uh, especially in the beginning when we had no clue what we were looking for, what symptoms to go off for. Uh, that was a real tiring. That was I think that was probably the most tiring issue we had to deal with that we didn't know 
whether or not this was a day that you would get it. Uh, as we went through the summer, um, we, we got into the routine of testing and uh, somewhat um, routine of, 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 of treating um, patients. Um, again, this was a case where uh, when we would we, meet, when we had updates from CDC, where it's like, okay, you had a meeting that morning, and uh, you would, and, and they say, okay, this was this was what, what what seemed to be working, and you try patient, you put patients on it, and then um, hopefully by the next day that it didn't change, that they said, oh no, what you did was wrong, uh, and so it, it, luckily the updates got less. It went from two from from twice a day to once a day. And then as we went on through 2020, it went from once a day to once every couple of days to uh, by the end of, by 2021, it, went, it had dropped down to probably once a week and we got updates as to what was going on. Uh, so then by the end of summer of 2020, we, uh, with, I, we were hearing uh, talk about vaccine coming up about a vaccine coming out and that it would help everything that went on uh as with the the, the public at large we were a little skeptical as to the speed at which this this vaccine uh key was coming out uh we didn't know much about it either as to wh whether or not it was um done the traditional method or any new method as to how we're able to, to, to come from not knowing anything about this virus, all of a sudden we were, we're developing a vaccine for it. Uh, but over the months towards the end of the year, we learned more and more that it was an mRNA uh, vaccine, uh, that it was based off of technology that's been 20 years old, starting when, going back to uh, the human genome uh, genome project in the 90s and early 2000s. So we had developed ways of improving how uh, we are able to, to find the genetic material of, 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 of substances and uh, basically figure out what to, how, how to, 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 to manipulate it in different ways to come. And that what made it best was that the vaccine was not uh, um, any a killed version of the virus itself. It was totally um, manufactured. Uh, so that by the time uh, December of uh, 2021 came, we now learned that the vaccines were approved and were time to ship around the country to, um, to, 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 to prepare for shipping to everyone. I find it quite interesting that for me, uh, my personal thought was, okay, I do want, did want to get vaccinated, but I didn't want to be the first one in line. I wanted to see what happened to everyone else first before uh, I would get vaccinated. But then that came, uh, what happened with me was that I realized as being the medical director, I couldn't have people uh, ask people to get vaccinated because and I not get vaccinated first and there's no way I think people would really um, trust my, my what I'm saying about vaccine if I didn't go so uh, I ended up uh, being one of the first in the area to get vaccinated um, it was not that I looked back on my uh, vaccination card when I got booster that I realized that I had gotten vaccinated on the 20th of December in 20, uh, 2020 
and uh, so it was it, it, and with that um, I felt more confident that I could tell people my own experience uh, with getting the vaccine and that if me, myself who is not a big fan of, of vaccination not, not a big fan of needles itself uh, could do it that they can do it as well rolling into 21 now that the vaccine was out uh, like many others uh, I felt that um, that we we had turned turned the corner that no this would be the uh, probably the end of the vaccine of, of the, the virus itself uh, that, that, that we should that we know with the vaccine coming out uh, it wouldn't be long before we we're back to normal again we were wrong uh, for two reasons. One, it took a while for the vaccine to come out. It was it basically came out very, very slowly uh, at first. And uh, that's, again, like most things, when it's new, it takes a while to, for, 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 the, for the stockpile to build up, you know, to be, and then you have to figure out, okay, how are we going to transport this all over the country? Uh, especially with a new vaccine where uh, with the Pfizer version, it had to be sub-zero. And so that that was one thing that came. Uh, we had to, we had meetings about again, trying to figure, okay, how are we going to uh, store this thing? Luckily, with that, uh, we brainstormed and realized, okay, we could, at the time we did not have the equipment to house the Pfizer uh, vaccine, so we went with the Moderna vaccine, uh, which was we were able to house at the regular uh, freezer temperature, and. Uh, we then came up with strategies as a whole to open up whole type of vaccination time period uh, set up to get people to come in and vaccine. And so that was we when we we were still by the time we were in the uh, in quite a, a, a testing phase. And so we had to kind of uh, break, break break the testing testing uh, phase in half where we had half of our members doing testing and the rest of them doing vaccinations. Uh, so we had some days where just um, vaccine vaccine clinics, and uh, the other times people were doing the um, testing. Uh, so it um, it was with that we were we were on um, going through that, and with luckily with that, and then we saw the numbers coming down, and we felt by coming closer to the summer, things were going to be back to normal. Uh, it was around this time when I switched. I switched from being in the health center, changed and went moved to becoming a hospitalist, a full time hospitalist in uh, here in, in in South Georgia. And uh, at first, things were looking good. I mean, there were there were the numbers were low. Everything was going well. And then September came, and I saw a new phase of the the uh, new. In the new phase of the virus, the Delta variant came out. And it came like a like, like, uh, like a real storm. Uh, here it is, we through I mean, through 20, end of 2020, beginning of 21, we thought we knew what we were doing. We we had come, we had we after all those meetings where we were updating protocols, figuring out we basically had come up, we in, in medical medical uh, um, community thought we knew everything about that was to know about this virus and we could tackle it. We had a, we had a protocol set up. We knew testing and then, and then with the Delta variant, 
all that was thrown out, or at least most of it was thrown out. Because here we found that this was a much more vicious virus than the original. It spread much faster and it was more deadly. A lot of stuff that we were using to treat the patients didn't seem to work. Uh, the, no, the, the patients um, that were coming into the hospital uh, seemed to be a lot more than before. Uh, on the plus side, we were we actually were better at treating the patients. We were able to um, patients in the first first round of the of the virus, where we really knew nothing about it, and our goal was okay. Once we get one ventilator, everything was okay. Uh, a lot of times, people the ones who end up dying died very died quickly, and so we couldn't. And and so it we didn't see what happened afterwards. It, what happened in Delta now, we were much better in treating patients. So patients were, were living longer with the virus. These are deadly, and patients who were critically ill were living longer in the hospital. But what was happening was that we were seeing uh, stuff that we didn't see before because now the patients were, long, were living longer. And so we were seeing stuff like all of a sudden there, there we have blood clots coming up, people bleeding from one end, but then you had blood clots forming on the other end. And it was a vicious balance as to, okay, what do you do? Are you going to treat the blood clots and give them a blood thinner? Or do you hold back on the blood thinner to treat the bleeding in some places? Yeah, so organs shutting down that you didn't have to deal with before because all of a sudden, because people uh, did not live long enough for these, for these organs to, to start shutting down. This really affected our psyche in the medical industry, but you felt, no, you felt like you weren't, um, was there something you were doing wrong? Why is it that you were throwing everything you knew to treat managed patients and it wasn't working as well as it should? Uh, so it, 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 with the Delta variant, it was, it was, it was scary. Uh, another thing that was, that, was, that was scary is that in the first round, the people mostly affected were the elderly, uh, those coming from nursing homes, uh, and and the, the, those that, that were really, really um, immunocompromised to begin with, uh, they were the ones affected, those, those were the ones that were affected the most. So people young to middle age weren't as badly affected, so you didn't see them. Well, when the, variant, when the Delta variant came, the age group dropped as well. You were seeing patients our age, so we're looking in and we're seeing we're 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 seeing patients our age uh, in their in 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 the twenties, thirties, forties, fifties coming in and very very sick, having to be put on ventilators, and it felt very personal because while before in the first round you say okay, um, yes, if I get COVID, it's uh, I mean as a younger younger. Uh, member of the community, my risk was not as high as the elderly who were dying. Now you are seeing people your age, and then again, you are being exposed to COVID every single day, several times a day. Uh, so it was more personal with that. Luckily, by that time, uh, our personal protective equipment, well, we had a lot more available. And so we, we were something, it, was, it, was, it had become a routine to don in the, 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 the equipment uh, whenever coming in contact with, um, with people who were suspected or actually had COVID. 
and many of us in the in in the uh, industry had already received vaccines, so that added another level of protection for us. Because uh, then the other thing we noticed is that a lot of the people who were um, in the hospital sick were unvaccinated. Because uh, on, on despite the fact that vaccine vaccine uh, vaccinations were getting the speed at which vaccines were coming out, but it was more. The other issue we had was dealing with the naysayers, those who uh, didn't who were still afraid to get vaccinated because of one reason or the other. They were worried about vaccines in, to begin with or they were skeptical of the fact that the vaccine was able to be produced so quickly. And then to the point where and then you had others who were just straight up vicious on uh, giving misinformation on the vaccine to begin with. Uh, and so you found yourself with, on that front in the, in, um, in the community health, uh, having to explain vaccines and, and explain the safety behind it and how different how medications when they are vetted through the CDC go through different stages and until they go through all of that they are not approved until uh, uh, um, approved for the for the public at large so when you go into the hospital setting now where which is where I had moved to where you're seeing people younger people who you feel that had they gotten vaccinated from earlier, they would not be in that situation. And again, because they were younger, they were, uh, it hit home a lot, a lot more. Mm. And so for the medical, for those of us in, in medicine, it was more, a little more, there was some anger on that point, in that, in that part that no, we were dealing with a situation where it was, it was becoming preventable. Uh, so with Delta wearing off in September, in, 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 in October being November, again, things looking up, we're thinking, okay, this is, uh, we, we've gone through that. Um, this might be, Delta might be the last of it. And unfortunately, then came Omicron in end of November, beginning of, of December uh, 2021. Omicron was again is much more uh, transmissible than the Delta variant. And so we were like, okay, we're gonna brace for, for, for another round like Delta. Luckily, it wasn't, it's not as virulent as the Delta variant. So the numbers in the hospital, at least at first, didn't seem to be as bad. Uh, the numbers did go up, but it weren't as bad or the numbers went up, but we didn't have patients dying at the rate that we had in the Delta variant. Uh, the Delta variant was at what well, we were going, we were having cold, cold blues uh, five a day. We, I mean, you, it was to the point where you were working on a patient who, who was coding and in the middle of the code, half the team had to break off to go and see another patient who was coded. And then when, when it all finished, and you think everything is good, all of a sudden you get another code, um, another end of the hospital. So we were running consistently. Uh, with the uh, Omicron variant, it wasn't that bad. Uh, we were, again, I guess now by this time, we were coming up, we were a year and a half into dealing with this, uh, this virus. And we had learned a whole lot in that time. 
And so we were able to, and especially during the Delta variant, which was an even steeper curve than learning curve than the original uh, variant, we uh, we were we, we we had learned a lot in managing patients, and so we were able to get patients. Patients were were uh, leaving the hospital um, after just about a week or less week or two. And that kind of built up our confidence in that, okay, we're, we're, we're doing something right now. Now we are getting to a point where we can, we're managing this care. Uh, the only thing about, about the, 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 the Omicron variant is that it, it was a lot more people getting, getting infected than before. So we're getting a lot of, so while it started off slowly, it, it built up quickly. We're getting a lot of people, but they weren't as sick as uh, as in prior variants, uh, but and so we were getting people out a lot. But it did hurt. It hurt. It it still hurt when you had people dying because again, a lot of them were younger people and uh, unvaccinated people, and so it was getting. It was really a uh, 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 case where we were like, okay, this is a situation. Um, we 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 need to get more and more people vaccinated. And then around that time is when booster came out. So those of us who um, were in the first round uh, of, of vaccinations were quick to get our booster as soon as it was available to us. Uh, so with Omicron uh, ending in end of in, in end of January, uh, what we've been seeing more so um, in, of late in the last couple of months is everything else coming back in. That is, COVID numbers have gone down. Uh, the hospital numbers in total have gone down, but everything that, that we had before, hip fractures, um, flu, um, uh, regular pneumonia, um, every, uh, all these other illnesses that, 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 that were in the past that we kind of pushed to the side in order to treat COVID, were starting to flood in. So the number, those numbers came, came coming and you realize, okay, hold on there. Now I got to practice. There's other medicine stuff I got to practice dealing with now. Uh, Cause you got to the point where you were, we were like a, 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 a conveyor belt dealing with COVID where it was like, okay, another patient, different same treatment we were just going through. And now it's like, okay, you got to switch shifts, change, change, change minds. Now we got to go, okay. Each patient is a different um, medical uh, issue and you have to figure okay what how do I do that and in a way it felt like okay hold on there now I gotta practice medicine <laughs> real medicine all over again uh, but that's good that I in mean, while that um while it was great shift shifting gears was a little bit uh odd for us it felt good to be able to go back to a norm in the, in the hospital and in the, in the clinic settings as compared to before and so that's where we are right now. And uh, hopefully that's where we stay, where that we, we, we can get back to uh, a norm uh, and not have to deal with what we went through before. Thank you. And then the last question I ask is, is there anyone you would like to memorialize who lost their life? Or I guess in a professional setting, do you want to estimate the number of lives that were lost in Southern Georgia? Uh, from what I understand, um, the number of lives lost in the U.S. Uh, is close to a million lives. 
and uh, you just hard you it, it's hard to believe that in just two years we've lost a million souls. Uh, I mean, you look at the world wars, you look at uh, at, at, at all the every, every, all the other diseases going on in the world, and not for any of them have you lost a million in a million lives in such a short time. I mean, world wars, yes, the Holocaust lost uh, six million lives, but that was over several years, uh, almost a decade. Um, so it, 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 when you compare it, 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 it is very, compa the comparison is very close, it, it's very similar to that. Uh, and you can tell, and, and you can feel that in the day-to-day -day, uh, where practically every job, every industry is feeling uh, um, a, a shortfall when it comes to employment. Nobody seems to have enough people to manage what they were doing before. And a lot of that is because we've, we lost, either people died during, during the pandemic or they became uh, severely ill to the point where they're unable to work again. And that uh, is one really uh, significant thing that, that we noticed. Personally, uh, my um, godfather's wife uh, in Jamaica, she uh, was... Uh, died from a result of 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 of, of having to having get, being ill during the time of covid uh she herself did not get covid but she was in the hospital setting during the time of covid and so she uh and she was she was quite susceptible and she and with all with the resources being low with everything that's going that went on it was very difficult to manage her care and uh, so she became a victim of the COVID pandemic in that though she didn't die from COVID, her, she was uh, um, in, 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 involved with all that was going on during that time. And so uh, it's considered a COVID-related death. Uh, during that time, while she died in the hospital, the family wasn't able to go and visit her because of the limitations of um, going into hospitals, restrictions of going to hospitals. And so uh, she was only able to communicate uh, with the family via um, video chat uh, in her last days. Uh, as with, as I, I, know, I actually had experienced firsthand dealing with several patients with that, and, and with that, that really was touching. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. McCartney. I, I really look forward to everyone gathering in the future. My goal is once it's once the, our oral history is in a museum that we'll gather together and, and talk and continue to memorialize the lives lost. So thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Thank you. For, thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to my oral history project, Black America and COVID. If you enjoyed listening to these episodes, please give it five stars wherever you listen to podcasts so that it becomes easier to find for people and that will make it easier for me to reach people and in turn to interview more people for my oral history project.
This episode was produced by me, Sonia Killebrew, written by me, Sonia Killebrew, and I had the honor of interviewing my cousin, Dr. McCartney, as I've had the honor of interviewing, at this point, 51 people for my podcast, and I thank everyone for sharing their life experiences during the pandemic with me. If you are a Black American and you would like to share your experience living, working, and or going to school during the COVID-19 pandemic, then email me at soniakillabrew at gmail.com. The email is in the show notes of the podcast. If you are a non-Black American and you would like to memorialize the life of a Black American who sadly passed away during the COVID-19 pandemic, either from COVID or as sadly a COVID-related death, then please reach out to me also. You can find me on Instagram through the account Black America and COVID, all one word, all lowercase. You can direct message me there. Also, you can record a voice note and I have instructions in my podcast notes about what to include in your voice note and email it to me if you would like to record your experience living, working, and or going to school during the pandemic, but you don't have time for me to interview you, but you would like to record it, send it to me, and I can share it in my Oral History Project podcast. Thank you every to everyone, everyone, for sharing your experiences with me. It is truly an honor, and I look forward to interviewing more people. My name is Sonia Jean Kilbrew, and I am the host, writer, and executive producer of this oral history project, Black America and COVID. <laughs>